talk, you know, back, back on and off and all that. For sure. Unique New York. The aardvark had oddly shaped feet. Can you give me a little <laughs> mic check? Uh, this is Samer. Hello, hello, hello. How's, how's that sound? That works. Some... Dude, it's so friggin' hot out. Yeah. I, I wore a black shirt and jeans, and that was not a... <laughs> Yeah, I almost left in jeans and I was a like, smart choice. I was like, I'm going to show up to this podcast in shorts. Yeah. This is the Said No One Ever podcast, a podcast about things you never knew you wanted to hear about. I'm your host, Martin Moore. Let's get into it. Well, welcome to another episode of the Said No One Ever podcast, episode 29. This is one I'm super excited about. It's called The American Dream, and I'm super jacked for the guest on this episode because it's it's a guy I've wanted to get on the show for a long time. He's someone that's that's doing big stuff in the city. Uh, he's a photographer, uh, award-winning director, producer, videographer, first-generation Palestinian-American. Uh, Samer, what up? Hey, thank you for having me. How are you me, doing, man. dude? Amazing, amazing. Why don't you uh, give the listeners a little bit about like who you are, what you do, where you come from, a little little background on your story. Yeah, I'm a Milwaukeean, born and raised. I went to MPS schools. I uh, grew up in a first-generation single-mother household in Pal- um, here in Milwaukee, a Palestinian household, excuse me. And, uh, you know, halfway through my time at MPS in middle school, I went to this school called uh, Bell which is now Wedgwood Academy. It's okay. like a sister middle school to Hamilton. And all my cousins went to Hamilton. But there was this uh, orchestra teacher that I had that kind of changed the trajectory of my life forever. Because sure. in my household, like what was supposed to happen was you go to school, become like lawyer, doctor, something that connects to wealth or like some sort of yeah. American dream, if you will. Lawyer, uh, yeah, doctor, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you do start th- SpaceX or Tesla. Right, right. You do that. And um, I met this man named Byron Lampkins. He was the orchestra teacher. And uh, my mom recognized pretty quickly when I joined orchestra that that I had something like artistic in me like that. Sure. There was some drive that I really connected to. Um, we went on to win awards in New York and in Toronto. My oh, wow. seventh, yeah, we were like a real orchestra for our, especially Damn. for our age. Years later, I found out this man is Classic's uncle. Are you it's, shut up? Are you? I serious? swear to God, I swear to God. Me and Classic were on vacation together, and I was just like telling him this story, yeah. this story. And was, and, and was he like, "Boy, that sounds an awful lot yeah. like my uncle"? <laughs> yes, yes. He was like, "Shout out Classic." Yeah, shout out Classic. So it was so weird that part of his life like connected to my life so early on but that's dope yeah ever since then just i you know i picked up guitar in high school and started playing in terrible punk rock bands that i still do i was in a band too yeah it's fun it's fun <laughs> man definitely one of my first loves but that um after going to school like university and having real jobs worked at apple for a little while uh-huh. um which is where i met Schleyberry. Uh, shout out to Schleyberry. i worked nice. in early on in my career i spent a lot of time with her a lot of my learning a lot of my learning and growth was with her and the guys in Paper Holland. And in, it was in that, that moment in like 2016, 2017, um, I was like, why is no one like taking photos of these bands? Yeah. Like at Company and Cactus and Bremen, like right? no one's shooting God, shows. I used to play. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I, I started documenting bands and stuff and then it just... Is that how you got into photography? Yeah. Nice. That's how I cut my teeth. So I first got into it um, in 2011, my senior year of high school. Okay. And we had, it was at Ronald Wilson Reagan International Baccalaureate High School. It's an MPS high school. Yeah. 
It was about uh, getting kids prepped for college, college preparatory high school. So you can take a couple different routes. You can go like mathematics and physics, you can go writing, sure. music, or art. Art was very general. Um, but I couldn't, I spent my entire time in high school trying to find what was like my medium. So it wasn't sculpting, wasn't drawing, wasn't painting, wasn't uh, watercolors. It was nothing. My senior Puppeteering. Year, yeah, right? <laughs> like kind of faking my way through these crafts. And uh, I, I rented a, a camera from the school my senior year and I just was like, well, at least I can see what I want. Yeah. I might not be able to translate it from brain to hand, but I can exactly. see it. So it just kind of took off from there. And then when I was in university, I went for photojournalism. So it was like half English, half art history and photography classes, which was cool. I think I wanted to be an English teacher at that time in my life. Started working at Apple, like I said, and then, uh, which afforded me a little more money to kind of be more free in my mid twenties. And then when I started some gear, yeah, tell me about it, dude. It went from a Canon T6i yeah. to a Mark III, you know? That was a, that thing, like when you first started out in photography, that thing was like a, a a beast. Yeah, like, it, it kind of was. was. <laughs> it, it was very affordable, and it took really, really good pictures for the day. It wasn't bad, man. It's not yeah. an iPhone now, but, right? Right. But it it wasn't it wasn't that bad of a camera. No, it felt good, right? And it felt like I was on my way to something, which was cool. It was like it was like a brush with a wooden handle and not yeah. a plastic one. Yeah, you know, and that's what it felt like. So, uh, so that was cool. But yeah, after I started documenting artists, you know, I started doing second shooting weddings and just like like cutting my teeth for years. I think most people don't know that I spent 2017 to 2019 shooting shows for free, shooting second shooting weddings for dirt cheap, just mm-hmm. so I can be exposed and learn yes. and understand how to adapt quickly, yes. how to edit quickly, yes. how, do you, how do you be responsible about file management and communication. And like, so I spent so much time, my free time, and uh, yeah, now I'm learning, know. developing, building your skill set. Yeah, Boy, our stories are awfully similar. <laughs> we'll get into a little bit more of that. Um, let's kick the podcast off, though, because, um, you know, I, I want to talk about the American dream. In a, and I, I did an, uh, an episode called Dream Jobs once, and that was sort of like an episode like um, like post getting like your dream job and, and, and sort of the conversation after like making it in air quotes. And what I really wanted this episode to be was was focused more on the nuances of what it what it takes to to chase the American dream in air quotes. You know, what, what does it take to, to do what you want? Is that accessible to everyone or is it only accessible to certain people? Um, and just some of the, the trials and tribulations that you've been through when it comes to, to getting to where you are because you shoot and, and make content for Visit Milwaukee and a lot of other really cool stuff like that. And so let's just start off. You know, how, how would you personally define the, the American dream or what does that look like for you? Um, I think the American dream is like, if I were to boil it down to a word, it's choice, like the freedom, mm. of, the freedom of choice. Like I have the freedom to quit my job at Apple and try this crazy thing. I have the mm-hmm. freedom to stay at Apple and, you know, collect a paycheck and like feel secure, which I do miss. I will say directly into the mic. <laughs> I definitely miss. Right. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so I think the American dream was a lot different for me growing up. I think it was very influenced by my mom yeah god bless her heart i don't blame her you know uh to get a cool job and get married and have a nice house probably on franklin or something like that you know like away from the city because 
you know, she grew up on a farm, so she doesn't, she's not stoked about the city all the time, but I, uh, so I Where does your mom grow up? Uh, in Palestine. Okay. In Jerusalem, uh, on a farm with her dad. She okay. Would, she would do the thing where her and her siblings would walk like two miles, you know, to school every day and back. And then, so, when, so when she tells you, oh, I had to walk two miles to school up, she's not bullshitting. It. Yeah. <laughs> she did that shit. So it, it was cool. I was recently listening to that new Kendrick Lamar album. And there's, I know there's a lot of controversy about Kodak Black, but he has this quote where he's like, you got to give respect to the old heads. Like, you didn't come from nothing. Exactly. You didn't come from nowhere. And as I get older and older, and as I do this stuff in our city, I always thank my mom or shout out my mom and talk about my mom. Because we haven't always agreed. We haven't always had, like, a great relationship. But sure. she did she did like the unthinkable to millennials. I'll say that again. Oh yeah. She did the unthinkable to millennials. Half of us can't even, you know, right. <laughs> so, but, so to come to a country, barely know the language, right. Work at a cookie factory, start a business in the Miller Valley or start a business on the, what is now river West, um, midget foods. I don't, not really stoked about the name, but <laughs> she built that. Yeah. She made that and it's still there. And that's, today, and that's you huge. Know? And I mean that, that really, her story really embodies the American dream because if you just brush aside like you, her son, and just <laughs> like everything she accomplished, that right there, I mean, that that's the American dream. And now couple on top of that, raising a smart, intelligent, successful young man, Damn, you know, that's you. doing the things that you're doing. I mean, that's just the cherry on the top. And and so it's 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 awesome to to hear those stories. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here because you bring such a unique perspective. I guess my second question then is to you is, you know, what unique perspective has your story being first generation Palestinian American? What, how has that shaped your hustle and your drive and the way you look at at the, uh, you know, where you want to ultimately be? Boy, that was a long question. No, I have it. I got you. I'm with you here. Um, you know, when you when you're playing like a video game or something, and like you're running across a bridge, the bridge is like cr- crumbling yeah. behind you. That's how that's that's how I feel like my life is right now, man. You know, as a Palestinian American, I have to watch my history be slowly erased mm-hmm. from, you know, overseas. And it feels like I have to run as fast as possible here to make a difference in Milwaukee and sure. then in the Midwest and in the nation. And then hopefully that change will trickle over. And that's all I can do. I'm not fucking made of money you <laughs> yeah, know right. i can't i'm not a politician either so i yeah. can't change you're not people. elon musk yeah right <laughs> fuck so <laughs> i'm tr- i'm trying to do what i can with my own tools and it's it's hard if definitely as as a fellow artist i'm sure you understand the feeling of like burning the candle at both ends yeah like we were just talking before yeah before we started this so it's it's the hustle is like if I have to try to make a difference. There's not a lot of Palestinian artists in Milwaukee or in the Midwest. There's not a lot of. I don't pa- know that I know any other yeah, than you. <laughs> I, I don't know many either. You know, so there's not a lot of people. Is there like ha- a Facebook group or <laughs> right? I got to start one, man. But there's not a lot of people that look like me and 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 have this experience of right. that are talking outside of the the legal world or the medical world or like their micro industry not that they're micro but those micro like communities of of conversation and if i can break into this social political sphere where i'm connecting art culture Mm. e-commerce and in the fiscal uh, livelihood of milwaukee yes that's where i want to exist that's where i want to like really make some change and it's it's hard i just feel like if i don't run at 200 300 percent every fucking day right 
I I'll never get this done. Yeah. And I think that's my long winded answer to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, you bring up a, a great point about you know going you know two three hundred miles an hour percent or whatever. You know, I've always said there's there's two kinds of people. There's people that want it, and there's people that get it. And there's so many people on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and whatever your you know, MySpace doesn't matter that they sit there and they talk about all the things that they want in air quotes to do. And then there's people out there that just shut the fuck up and they and they do it not because they feel like they have to or they have no choice because it's what they want to do. It's what they love to do. And it's not hard to go that fast and to work that hard. You no, know, it it, it, com- it completes you. you. You want more. You wish there were more hours it in is, the day. It's <laughs> like a drug. You know, I mean, time is, is just the enemy of, of, of success. And it's like, I mean, you're, I'm sure you've slept uh, or woken up uh, super early and went to bed super late to, to edit and to, to talk about pinches. sacrifices. Yeah, you right. Know? And that's definitely, I have a little bit more to say on that yeah. later. But um, so I guess, I guess, you know, how much, in your opinion, how much of, of success, whether it's your personal success or just anyone in general, you know, chasing uh, the American dream, how much success is luck and how much of it do you think is pure manifestation? That's a great, that's a great question. I think a lot of, um, a lot of what I have been able to do in the last year from like January till now has been a little bit of luck. Mm. Like I absolutely won't deny that. I'm super grateful for a lot of the opportunities I've recently been a part of, like the small cog that I am in in big projects, like insanely grateful, very humbled by them as well. Very stoked that the majority of them are, are connected to Milwaukee and like the greater Milwaukee area. But uh, I think a lot of it is luck. I think you gain luck though from your hustle, from your presence, from your connection. Like people, people go out of their way to hire me, which yeah. I think is interesting. And that's not a flex, but I'm no flex, you know, flex, flex, flex. you know, I'm just <laughs> kind, I'm kind enough and I show up and I, I respond and I, you know, I have these connective conversations with people. And even when I was doing stuff with, um, Giannis, it was like him and I connected. Yeah. I wasn't just documenting the man for yeah. the commercial that we were working on. And I think that's what changes you know, there's so many camera people. Again, I know you know this, so I know I'm preaching the fire. <laughs> but there's so many camera people that show up and leave early, yep. or show up and just go right home, or mm-hmm. they don't shake hands, they don't like talk to their subject. And I think I'm grateful to have had some journalism education in my life and some sociology education in my life to know that to be a journalist, you have to connect and you have to inspire and you have to yes. like let people give you their story. And, yes, and I think that's where the luck comes in in my life. Like I do all of those things as best I can. And I try to, and I try to not be an asshole. And, um, <laughs> that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. That's usually sure. my number one bullet point on how to be a good human being. Just don't be an Just asshole. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> it's kind of easy. Um, right. <laughs> not for some people. Yeah, I know all my friends are listening to this. Like, Fuck him. Yeah. Right. He's a dick. He ghosted me. <laughs> Fuck. You know, I've always said luck is just opportunity in disguise and, and you're the kind of person that you, you create opportunities for yourself. And so I think what might seem like luck is just, you've put yourself in positions to the analogy I always use, like when I was first starting off, like when I was working on cars and I want, my dream was to be a photographer and make videos for a living. And like, I always looked at my life. This is a bad analogy is like the Titanic sinking. Uh, and I looked at like working, uh, doing photography and video is the shore. And, and to get 
from the sinking ship to the shore, there's all these little lifeboats and all these little lifeboats were opportunities. And every one that I got in um, was one step closer to the shore. And every one I didn't get in, there was someone, um, you know, treading for their life in the water that gladly would have taken my place. And so it's not that those lifeboats were lucky that they were there. There was those opportunities and, you know, I took them and, you know, you, you sound like you do the exact same thing. And so, you know, it's not surprising that you, you've had the sort of opportunities and in air quotes, luck that, you know, that you've had. Um, and I think, I think opportunity is, is just absolutely everything for, for people that are chasing their dreams and their, you know, I totally agree. And I, I remind the people that have given me some of my biggest opportunities. I try to continue to remind them all the time. Um, I wish, I wish you could give me just a 30 minute segment to just list names and right. I would list all the names of the people that have helped me along the way, big and small and, uh, like here and far. But, uh, I, I absolutely agree. When I was working at Apple and I was trying to figure out like, what am I, what am, so what's happening now? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I thought this was my life, like this mall. Um, so I've peaked. Yeah. I'm at the right? it, it was cool. <laughs> I was cool with it. But, uh, yeah, those, it's a great analogy. And when I, when I actually went full time, which was the beginning of 2019, I realized, man, like this is a lot harder. Like those lifeboats became like some real shit to me, you know, right. like that, was like real opportunity and real like change and like you said before some of them were you did a lot of free free work oh my god and i mean i I can totally relate to that there was so many times where i did work for free because i felt like there was an opportunity uh in there for me to maybe you know work with another brand or something like that or another organization i mean i made 10 videos for on Milwaukee for free, hoping that they would be able to like create a position for me. They ultimately weren't able to, but it's just like when you create those opportunities for yourself, but things eventually are uh, lifeboats eventually going to come your way. People pay attention. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And I think, and if you don't take it, someone like me will, there's there's someone out there that'll gladly fucking take your place. And so it's like, you have to take every opportunity, every opportunity that you can, every, even if it's outside of you better learn how to Google, how to do something. Yeah. Right. If I don't know how to do it, I can show you, I'm going to be on a YouTube video. I'm going to (laughs) learn. I think to give any advice to anyone that's listening or like aspiring to do, and there's no version of you that has to work for free. Yeah. Like no one's telling you, you have to work for free or like, but you better be willing to prove yourself. Yes. Over and over and over again, if you're not going to work for free, you better prove your you better worth, be worth it. Your quality, your time, yep. your effort, like all of it. You, yep. you better prove yourself. And I think that's like uh, the thing that uh, gets me so frustrated about people is people talk about chasing money and making money. Yeah. Just in Milwaukee, I'm talking they to They want you. it now. They want it now, and they don't want to see their own growth. Like They're not willing to be just a little more patient mm-hmm. and, and try things just outside of the box. And pe- mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's difficult. Like, no one's asking you to work for free, yeah. but you have to be willing to prove yourself. You have to be willing to show up every fucking day. Exactly. Every day. I work on my taxes every day. Uh, Every day I make sure that my shit is straight. Uh, Every day. It God, sucks. I'm so glad I closed my <laughs> photography business when I got my job at Cause. I fucking hated doing it. Every day. <laughs> sales taxes and uh, Yep, I have like five savings accounts for that. Fake shit. meetings that you have to hold for yourself for your LLC yep. and all the Oh my god, I'm so glad I closed all that Dude. shit. <laughs> Dude. Sorry, I, I hope I didn't ruin your day. You know, so you know, you talk about motivation and you talk about um, you know, a, a genuine love for what you do. Um but I think time is one of the biggest things that, um, 
you know, distracts people or, or inhibits people from chasing their dreams. I guess, what would you say to people that just don't, they don't have the time, whether they have a family or they're the, the, a breadwinner or they're in school or something like where, do, where does someone find the time to chase their dreams if they have to work or raise a family, you know? Yeah. That's, do, you have any, do you have any advice for that? I think so. I think so. Um, that's a tough question. No, Someone asked me that once. I remember a long time ago on a podcast. And I was just like, huh. <laughs> Unless I have a fucking DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> or just one more hour in the day, right? But I, I think that you hear a lot of success stories can be like similar parallel cliche in a way, um, which is cool and funny at the same time. But uh, a th- similar thing I noticed when... I used to like watch YouTube videos and interviews of like Tyler Creator, mm. Frank Ocean, Love him. Blink-182 dudes like Tom and shit. And everyone, all artists in every genre across all levels of success have talked about the sacrifices they've had to make. Yes. And no one was specific. No one's ever specific. Yeah. And there's a reason why. Because they're this, ugly, ugly sacrifices. They're horrible. <laughs> They're terrible sacrifices that are only unique to you. Yes. And it's really hard for me to describe to anyone what the amount of sacrifice that I had to make, whether it's missing an event mm-hmm. or missing a funeral or mm-hmm. missing something for, because guess what? You can't call in on a fucking wedding. Right. You just can't. Yep. Like that day, the day I book it is that I'm locked in for two years. Like I know what I'm doing on June 23rd, 2023, yeah. no matter what's happening. Right. From 10 a.m. to 10 Whenever, p.m. <laughs> yeah. And that, and I still forget to eat, which is funny as hell. But I, like, I'm wanting to, I never eat. But yeah, I don't either. The amount of sacrifice you have to make, whether it's, it's massive. missing things, lack of sleep, not eating as much, mm-hmm. not seeing your loved eating ones the enough. food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just figuring it out. Like, you have to figure it out. Yeah. And that's the difference between people that want something. it and getting yeah, it dude i remember when i did the vlog um i don't know if you know anything about my vlog i don't really do it much anymore i started my youtube vlog in 2015 when I, I started following you like two and a half years ago i think i started watching you. okay I have, I, it was i mean my vlog was the catalyst for all of my success that's how cost found me that's how on milwaukee found me that's how every company and person i've ever worked with found me um but the problem was you know, you're talking about everyone hides their sacrifices. I was making videos every day. So when me and my wife, Jen, were on vacation, she would like take a nap. Well, first of all, I'd be recording the whole fucking vacation because I had to make a video that day. She'd take a nap and I would edit videos or like we wouldn't go out to dinner because I had to stay in the hotel room and edit videos or like she would go to bed without me and I'd be editing till 2 a.m. And then she'd wake up at 6 a.m. and I still wouldn't be in the bed because I was already, you know, on my phone or iPad uploading to YouTube and pimping it. And it's like there's sacrifices, you know, that everybody has, like you said, that are just so unique. And it's like it's, it's the only way people get that shit done you know Beyonce didn't become Beyonce because Dude. because she just right? fucking half-assed it right? <laughs> you know Elon Musk didn't didn't create uh you know rockets that land by themselves and self-driving cars because you know he just half-assed it you're totally right there's just unique sacrifices that, that people that succeed and get it make and it fucking sucks I almost got divorced like because of my fucking YouTube channel <laughs> I can similarly relate to that sentiment and uh I think it's just if you want something like you have to understand that you have to let something else go. Yeah. Like you are just one person like the your right. weight load can only take so much. So, you know, be careful. 
It, it, it's tough. Be it's careful. really tough. You can hurt people. You can hurt yourself. Yeah, but um, as you get crazier, it gets easier. It does. It does. <laughs> the thing is, too, is it's not like it's even. It's not like it's even like mentally hard or like emotionally. I mean, it can be emotionally draining because it's like what you want to do. You know, like there's there's people that like going playing slot machines and like they they keep pulling that lever because they want the jackpot. They want the jackpot. And then there's people like us that we just enjoy pulling the lever and just sitting on the chair and doing it. Like, I I never really, I mean, I always had this goal of being a photographer and doing, you know, content and video, but like I was enjoying the ride. And if I never actually like found my success, my little side hustle was still like, I enjoyed what I was doing, you know, and the little bit of success I had. And so you have to, you have to enjoy the actual, the doing part. If you hate that, if you hate doing your taxes and editing photos and, and manage, you know, going in meetings and coming on fucking podcasts like this. If you don't like doing that sort of stuff, I mean, boy, you're going to burn out real quick, you know? You know, for sure. I mean, for for my unique story, I it was either this or I was working at Mayfair. So uh-huh. it was this fucking beats working at the mall, man. Uh, I'm so glad I never worked at a mall. <laughs> I started, I, I worked at a, a grocery store when I was like 16. And then when I was, when I was 17, I started at Jiffy Lube. And then I started at Honda in 2009. Holy and then, shit! And then I was a master Honda tech for 20 years till 2017. And then I now I do this shit. Damn, 20 years. Yeah, man. it was nuts. I remember the day I got my job at Cos. Uh, I like bawled my eyes out because it was like it finally happened. Like all the work, the hours of the vlog, almost getting divorced, the meetings, the fucking weddings, and just all the, the weddings, dude. all the shit. And it, I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to be a photographer for like a, a living. Like <laughs> what has been two part question? What has been the most challenging part about your hustle and what has been the most rewarding part? Oh yeah. Okay. The most, cha- I'm going to sit back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, can I do the rewarding part first? Yeah. Sure. I don't want to piggyback on what we were just, cause it's very similar related, uh, but I think the most rewarding part is, um, I wish I didn't say like a long um there, but (laughs) the most rewarding part absolutely is like connecting with people in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. It's being an artist of color and doing things that people haven't quite done yet or done the same way before. I think I'm very grateful to have that opportunity, that chance, that um, ability to connect artists, culture, relations in Milwaukee. Uh, huge shout out to Imagine MKE for helping yeah. build me as an artist into that advocator, into that vessel. Yeah. Um, David Lee, Lindsay, Antoine Mack, Elizabeth, like everyone on the Imagine team. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but I think that's been the most rewarding part from, I can say that, yeah, I, I did connect with Giannis, like our most successful probably ever athlete in right. Milwaukee. Yes. Yes. Me. I did that. And I also like co-opted with the bucks on the parade. And I've also, you know, worked with a whole summer with visit Milwaukee and I've done things with MPS and everything you can think of Milwaukee. I bet you I've touched yes. it. That's been the most rewarding part is just being a part of this heartbeat in the city and, and making change and talking to people with with, with, without being worried. I'm not worried about losing my job. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I am my job. They can't fire a person right. that, or personality, you know? Like, so 
I get to have these honest conversations about what language looks like to artists or to younger people and why things don't always work. Like maybe we can figure out how they work mm. and how they connect better. And I, that's all of that is the most rewarding part of my job. The, the hardest part, the, the most taxing part is not, is the amount of sacrifice that I have to make consistently and not really having a way to communicate about that. Mm. I've come, I, I've overcome so many Use of my- Use this mic. Yeah. <laughs> Use this mic in this time right now, go! <laughs> I've overcome so many personal hurdles of what I want out of life and not being excited about how many likes I get on Instagram and Twitter. That shit used to drive me mm. crazy. But like you said earlier, keeping my head down and one-upping myself consistently, mm-hmm. man, you can't put a price on that no. versus 10,000 likes. Like 10,000 likes means nothing it to doesn't. me. It doesn't. Because- I want to turn all that into dollars, you know what I mean? And I am. That means nothing to me. So even if I am getting less than 100 likes on a post, that means nothing to me. No, because you never know. I've always said you never know. Cost or no, on Milwaukee found me on a YouTube video that had like 54 views. So you never know if if your next opportunity is on your first like, your first follow, or your millionth like, or your millionth follow, or somewhere in between. People are watching, man. They are. It's crazy. I would rather have a hundred people who actually give a shit about my art and my videos and the stories I'm telling than a million people who don't fucking give a shit, you know? Because I I posted a picture of my legs dangling over a building like everyone else because I was in Portland, Oregon down by Cannon Beach and I put on a yellow raincoat and waited for a fucking week for the fog to roll in so I could take one photo of me like jump, you know, like the same shit everyone else is doing, you know, chasing fucking clickbait, you know? (laughs) I... Believe me, I do. But, you know, and there are there are artists out in Milwaukee, photographers out in Milwaukee that are just absolutely crushing it. Just absolutely crushing it. And um, I, I love them. I, take, I draw so much inspiration from them. I think Nate V, shout out to Nate V with his drone. Holy shit, is he talented? And is he kind? And is, does he have the personality we need in our culture right now to talk about infrastructure and connectivity and bringing things together and talking about the opportunities that new buildings bring to our city as opposed to being like, oh, we get another skyscraper in Milwaukee. Nate's like, you know what that does for us? You know, so like having jobs, people, people from outside the city gives them an opportunity and access to jobs. And it's already going up. Like get over it. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So he has like a unique perspective and I try to draw from those perspectives a lot. And I think it's hard for me sometimes. Um, it's hard for me to not be in my own be in my own way, for lack of a better term. I'm getting much better. I'm, I'm battling. My ego only fights with itself yeah. now, which is awesome. I love, I love that my ego hasn't started to bleed into my conversations with other artists or other people or other companies. And not that I don't stand up for myself or not that I haven't raised the price, so to speak or anything yeah. like that, but I can still be humble and charge a lot. Yeah. Type shit, you know, you're not I mean? an egocentric prick that, you know, <laughs> that just pontificates all the time. And yeah, <laughs> totally. So it's been, that's been a learning process and it's been, it's been good. I'm, I am really addicted to one upping myself so much so that I've been keeping a notepad. Mm. People on my Instagram secret story have seen this shit. With like the things I did Your each Finsta? month. Is that, yeah. what the, is that what they call it? That's a fake Insta. Yeah. Okay. But, I, uh, <laughs> but it's like a notepad. It's like January, blah, 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 February, blah, blah, blah. And 
each some of the months are like way fucking bigger than others, which is okay. But it's mm. like good for my ego to see that that ebb and flow of like what I'm doing. It's like journal journaling in a way, so yeah. I don't forget the shit that I've done this year at least. Um, and it's that's been good for my to tame my ego or to keep it in check and balance. And that's another really 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 hard thing to hard thing to to keep in check. Like you know, you win a handful of awards, you work with oh, yeah. bucks, and it's like. What the fuck is supposed to happen to yeah. my ego? You I know? mean, it's it's easy to it's easy to think highly of yourself when you when you pop off, especially big like that, you know. And it's it, it's something that should be celebrated and you should and you should enjoy. But I think there's a lot of people that like win one fucking award or something like that, and all of a sudden they think like they're the hottest shit, you know. I know. And then you never hear from them again. You gotta, I know <laughs> you got to follow up. You got to right. keep going. You right. got to keep going. And I think momentum is key mm. in everything. Moment, God, I love that you said that. Uh, I've always said that you know momentum is everything. When you're when you have that momentum and it feels like every day you're just sort of inching forward and inching forward. I, I always hated when I would go like a couple days without posting a video or a photo because it feels like you're starting from scratch and you feel like, Oh God, if I don't post today, everyone's going to forget about me in 24 hours. And you know, and so like that momentum was always so important, at least for me. Uh, but boy, it can be a, it can be a obsessive pain in the ass sometimes. I, 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 I've recently gotten over that too. Now I'm like, let them (laughs) I still don't think I've gotten over that. I don't even give a shit about like my personal brand or any of that stuff. I'm like, (laughs) I don't even care. And yet I still care. And I drives me crazy. I'm like, let them forget. Cause the next thing I drop is going to be hot. Exactly. (laughs) You know, for many races and sexes and ethnicities, um, you know, the American dream, there's, there's barriers in place that don't exist for someone that looks like me. I'm a white man. Like sure. th- there's just and I, I one I'm going to give one example to the listeners because they probably might not understand what I'm talking about. But um you know I always I've done a lot of photo shoots at the airport in downtown Milwaukee. It's just a really cool like vibe if like I want to do like a traveling shoot or something like that or whatever. And I meander around there with my models and my f- cameras and I look suspect as fuck. But no one ever bats a lash at me cuz I'm like a white dude. Well, then I had... I would never do that. I had a friend who... Yeah, right? Exactly. I had a friend. He's black. He's a photographer. Good looking, you know, great looking guy. And he's like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, how, what's it like shooting at the airport? And I was... I, I felt bad thinking, but I was like, fuck, man, like... I want to say go for it, but like, God, are they going to like bust you or something? Because that's just how a lot of places are in this I fucking would, country. That thought has never even like crossed <laughs> my fucking head. Yeah, right. <laughs> Boy, I wonder if I should go. And so, so my, this begs my question, um, you know, how do we create equal access um, and opportunity to the American dream? Because being able to, let's say someone hires you and they want you to do a travel shoot for whatever it is, a fucking backpack or something like that, or uh, a pair of shoes. And you're like, cool, that'd be sweet to shoot this at Intermodal or shoot this at the airport. And you can't do that, but someone like me can just based off the way that we look. Sure. Uh, how do we, how do we, boy, this is another long question. How do we make sure that the, those barriers are as low as possible and everyone has the same opportunity and access to, to create those opportunities and not have to turn a job down because they can't shoot at the airport because they're a fucking little bit darker than me or so, you know, sure, yeah. it's bullshit. But how do we, in your opinion, how do we, how do we rectify that? Yeah, I was, I was just having conversations about how in music in Milwaukee, we don't, we do mixed bills. And for anyone who doesn't know what a mixed bill is, a bill is the artist you have on a show lineup, like your, your lineup, your show lineup is your bill. 
um, we don't have a lot of mixed bills. And what I mean by that, it's not like pop punk or like rock and hip hop and like jazz or whatever, like, or EDM or, or, you know, there's not mixed bills in Milwaukee. Yeah. We're one of the most diverse cities in America, which yeah. we can continue to see as like a plight of our community. I kind of think it's cool. A lot of times if we're that diverse, like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know that diversity word is also attached to segregation. Like we're yeah. the most there's segregated. There's some caveats. Yeah. There's, <laughs> so I understand that, but that doesn't mean our music scene has to be exactly as segregated as our city or borders our scene. are. Or exactly. our food scene. Like, none of that or... has to be as segregated as mm-hmm. our wines are. Mm-hmm. So, if we start having more mixed bills, which places like Cactus Club do, love you, Kelsey, please keep doing it, and thank you. Uh, the same can go for everything else yes. in our community. I'm really grateful to be working with a company like Visit Milwaukee, because I just offer a unique perspective yeah and their motto is we're unique unites yep. you know what i mean and i think that's part of the the change that's coming and that's why i run at 200 300 all the time because i want to see that type of change too there's no singular answer to it there's no easy answer to it there just has to be a, a way to recognize these flaws mm. that we're experiencing that have you know stemmed from the early 1900s or 1800s and uh, and continue to rectify them by uh, offering opportunity offering the the diverse communication that happens in our city like yes. engaging with it continuing to support it there's no easy answer there are a million ways to solve this problem. Yeah. better funding you know better school education systems in in different parts of mps maybe don't split up mps maybe make right. sure our <laughs> right so how about we start with that one <laughs> yeah. you know maybe make sure our lead pipes are working how come these skyscrapers can go up so fast but our lead pipes still aren't right replaced like what is fucking fair that's a whole other podcast you know what i mean like there are ways to access this yeah and i know how to access it through arts and culture so i'm going to continue to do yeah. that but i think that's the biggest one i think that's the biggest one that's the one that i've noticed sorry i didn't mean to cut no, you off good. that's the one that i've i've noticed the most when i first started um in the city with the vlog and photography they're just the scene was very small there was just not a lot of people doing anything substantial and just the the art scene and creative scene in general was just kind of stagnant and seeing now just the diversity and the thirst and hunger from so many people from every corner of the city it's been awesome to see and i have i have seen some real real change and real progressive and you're t- you're totally right like i think that the creative and the art scene i think that's a, a great start because that's young people you know those are people that are going to be the ceos of companies and they're mm-hmm. going to be aldermen and older women and, and running for office and, and be able to make change and i think i think that's huge in, in, you know, creating opportunity for, for everybody. We got to make sure they don't leave. Yeah, exactly. We can't. I mean, Milwaukee is, we're so fortunate that we're not, and not a knock on like Detroit, but I mean, we're not a city that's going in the wrong direction, um, whether it's, you know, businesses uh, leaving the city or people leaving the city because they don't want to live here or the, the creative scene just being kind of, this city is on the rise and it has been for, for a while now. And we're so fortunate that we live in a city that's just, that's growing Physically, uh, it's growing with the population. It's growing creatively. I mean, the DNC was going to come here. The RNC wants to come here. Um, you know, Bucks Finals. There's there's just so much opportunity here in, in places that I just feel like 
don't have that. You know, and I totally agree. <laughs> if anyone has met me on the street over the last year, you know, I have said to you, there is more money in the city now yeah. than there ever has been. Yes. And you just got to look for the way to oh, your, yeah. your way to tap it or to be a part of that. And not that it's about money or funding, but it helps. And mm. that's what gets things moving. And uh, well, it helps you level up your gear, it helps you get a new easel, it helps you right. whatever it is that you're doing. And I always get pissed off, too, when people are always like, oh, I want to leave the city. I'm going to go to L.A. or New York or Chicago. And it's just like all you're going to find there is more competition, you know. Like there, there's this city is just ripe for whether you want to be a a, a ventriloquist or a fucking painter I'm or saying. a musician or a photographer. There's so much opportunity here. You go to L.A. or New York. You know how many people are trying to do that shit out you, there? You know what's my flex when I go out to L.A. and New York? Huh. It's like no. I don't even live here. I'm just working here right now. Yeah. Like, sorry. But I, and I just stole <laughs> you know, your yeah, opportunity. Do you live here? That's you live, funny. Yeah. I like that. Uh, second to last question. So do you think, you know, after our conversation, uh, do you think people should believe in the American dream? Oof, do you think, I hope do you so. think that's a thing people should chase and believe yeah, in? I think. Whether it's having a family and a white picket fence and having a couple dogs in the middle of nowhere or being president of the United States and everything in between. Like is the American dream something that you think is, is generally tangible to anybody that has the sort of work ethos and mantra that someone like you has? I really do. I think even Sorry I have such long questions. <laughs> no, you're good. I love it. I love this. It's been a while since I've been able to have this type of discourse. And so honestly and freely, mm-hmm. I, I do think the American dream is it's got to be different for everybody and respect that. But if you're going through your life and you don't feel like you have that freedom of choice, because I know everyone has like driven to work or got on the bus to work, walked to work, and you're like, I I could just turn around right now. Mm. I I know that feeling. You know, like I I don't have to do this. Like I'm going to. I get that. I get that I have responsibilities or I have a kid at home or a pet at home or I have debts that I have to pay off. Like I get that. But I could just turn around and go home Mm -hmm. or go anywhere. If you have that lingering feeling in you, you are literally living the American dream. Mm. You have the freedom of choice. A lot of places don't have that. You can do anything. You can literally do anything. You can quit that job. You don't have to. I'm not telling you to, but you can. You can buy that first paintbrush. Mm. You can learn that new skill in your free time. Mm. or You can do anything. It's not going to be easy. Nothing is. Nothing that's worth having is easy. And that's so cliche. I know I sound like a dad or a grandpa saying that, but like, it's nothing that's worth having will ever come easy. And if it is easy, you're going to get over that shit real fast. Right, 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 right. All right. Final question. In another life, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, music. What a- <laughs> but you already did that. Music, yeah, not well. Okay. <laughs> music for sure. I that's think- that's me. I have this music, this tattoo, the play symbol to always remind me to play music, which didn't fucking happen. Yeah, I feel so. Music you. is what you do. Mu- music is definitely like the or like make a video game or something. I guess Ooh. I love video games. I just got Red Dead Redemption Three, Final Fantasy Seven tattoo. Oh! Big love, big love. We I'm- just uh, our last episode or two episodes ago. Uh, it was uh, what the fuck was the name of it? Uh, good game. What's your KD? And it was all about video games. Dude, yeah. If you ever Real do it again, let me know. I'm a huge gamer. That's awesome. Me oh. too, man. But uh, yeah, it would probably be somewhere between like music and video gaming. Maybe even like. I think like if I were to go like way back to like mm-hmm. the real child inside skateboarding. Ooh, Definitely. I uh, I stopped skateboarding. Uh, it was one of our apartments, and we were lining up boards and trying to like see how like 
far made, we could ollie. Yeah, for sure. I think I made like five or six, and on the last one, I took a huge digger in my chin and fucked my whole chin Holy and shit. arm up. Never was able to ollie ever again after that, and then I gave up skateboarding. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I've ollied four high, uh-huh. which is like skateboarding's yeah, hard. It's hard. And as you it's, get older, you're like, dude, this could put me out for six months. Right? You know, I know. Or the rest of my life. So definitely oh. like somewhere between. Music, skateboarding, and video games, which are like all things I do in my free time still. Uh, uh, not well. I play video games super well, but I don't skate or play guitar very well these days. Uh, um, we were not we were playing shows before the pandemic, but it just, right. you know, the pandemic. So. <laughs> Samer, dude, thank you so much for hopping on this episode. This was so fucking dope. I'm so glad we finally get to get you on here. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on someday. Thank you for having Stay me, Stay cool man. out there. It's like a, what? 100 degrees out. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank God, though. This summer's been garbage. Top off the Jeep. I can't wait. Right.